0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So, yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is one of my favorite people, close friend, Seth Daly. Incredible conversation. We talk about personal development, how to pass that on to your kiddos. We talk about the passing of his father. He shares some insight around that. And he discusses being a dad to daughters. Enjoy meeting my friend Seth. Seth Daly, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. How are you today, my friend? Hey, brother, doing great. Dude, I'm so pumped to just sit and talk fatherhood with you. Now we know each other pretty well. Um, we have been in Front Row Dads together for two something years, and we're actually in a band together so we uh we we meet a few times a year uh to connect and talk about fatherhood
1: yeah and i and i've tried to keep up with you on your kettlebell workouts and with with minimal success
2: <laughs> it's been fun. It's
0: been fun. <laughs> oh it's funny yeah i've been going after it lately as i'm about to turn 40 and don't want to feel or look like a big bag of bones <laughs> um But yeah, man, looking forward to talk fatherhood with you. I want to ask you a few questions that are just going to help my audience know who I'm talking to. So how old do you find yourself today? Uh, 44. 44. And how many years you've been
1: married? So we are coming up on 23 years this summer.
0: Dang, bro. 23 years. More, More than half my life now. Yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah. You've hit that point. Where you've been with this, hum- and you think about your childhood and high school and middle school, all this stuff is being so significant, and yet most of your life you've been you've been married to your wonderful wife and figuring out life in that manner. Wild, figuring it out. Yep, wild. Okay, so what's your what would you share with the dude who's listening to this right now with who's been married ten years? He's coming up on his ten years, and he's thinking, "Damn, I've been married ten years." You're about to hit twenty five, you know, in the next couple of years, which is pretty significant. What would be that piece of advice, wisdom, reminder, thought that you would tell him? Hmm.
1: um okay, good thanks for. We start with the easy ones. so <laughs> yeah. um the so the first thing that comes to mind Ned, is is grace. The first thing that comes to mind is um, go easy on yourself and go easy on your spouse. Hmm. Uh, I think about, yeah, I think everybody. We talk, if people have been married for a while, we'll talk about these cycles that every marriage goes through. And then I was a guy that looked around and I'm like, well, shoot, I I see friends that didn't go through that cycle. It must be worse for me. Who knows? In general, I've heard like there's like these seven year cycles that a relationship will Mm -hmm. go through. And then I think there's these times, right? So you could talk to somebody who's been married 10 years and like they maybe just had kids or uh, they just had a health crisis or a parent just passed away or whatever. So all I know is this marriage is going to hit seasons mm-hmm. and when it hits those seasons, um, what, what I had to focus on was like a true North alignment, wherever, wherever my values lined up for me, that goes to a faith level really, really quickly, but it could go to you know, any values you went through in a personal growth exercise or, or whatever, but getting to my values and figuring out like what I want to bring to the relationship. And then Um, you and I have both done some work with some, with, um, some speakers that really talk about like, Hey, you got to do work on yourself,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Like, I mean, if I can give credit to one of those, it'd be Kelly Flanagan, right? I'm I'm sure he's been on your podcast, maybe more than once, right? It's like, that guy's remarkable. Yeah. And he's a good example of somebody that says, man, you think you're in this relationship to get and. And what a relationship exposes is so much about yourself. And so,
2: yes. um, I don't
1: know, maybe at 10 years, I probably went through a, a lonely journey called working on Seth. And, and then mm. I find the relationship again, and the relationship is sweeter and better because I'm better. Yes. And, uh, and I wish I could tell you that I did that effortlessly and, and that I should write a book on it. And I probably shouldn't, but I'm glad I went through
0: it. <laughs> Um, okay, so I want to come back to this working on Seth because anytime I connect with you, I've, I'm like highly impressed with with some things and, and I'll share that in a minute, but okay. So uh, married 23 years, uh, you're 44. How many kiddos do you have? And what are so their ages? So we have four and uh, our oldest is 19. So four daughters
1: from 19, 17, uh, just turned 14 this week. And 10 going on, I don't know, 15, 22,
0: somewhere in there. So So 10 up to 19 now. Four kiddos, 23 years, 44, lots, lots going on. And where does your family reside? So we are in Austin, Texas. And it it was a
1: bit of a journey to get down here. We've actually still got business in other states. So a lot of what I do work-wise is running businesses remotely that are located... Uh, on the East Coast, so Maryland, where we came from, uh, but we've been in Austin now, give or take three years or so. It's kind of a little pre-transition, pre-COVID transition, and then certainly through COVID.
0: Yeah, dig it. And then, what do you do? You kind of said you got business other places, but. You know, I love and hate the question, what do you do for a living? The reason I ask it isn't to compare each other, but to go fatherhood's a level playing field. So no matter what industry you're in or what you do, you've got four daughters, bro. And you're going to come across the same thing that every other dude who's got four daughters or one daughter is going to come through. So with that being said, what is it that you do for a living?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's I've heard enough of your podcast to, uh, to, to hear how you hate that question. I'm like, I don't think it's a bad question. Uh, it gives us it gives us a point of reference, right, for, for mm-hmm. people. So what I do, everything is in the real estate space. So primarily, I mean, my journey was I started off as a real estate agent. I worked with my wife. Um, and so we've had seasons where we work more like really closely together, like at the same appointment at the same time to just work in the same industry. But I, I worked with my wife, Alice, uh, as a real estate agent, started a team, built up a brokerage, um, now have a, a Kell Williams franchise, have a title company have some other stuff um, and, and in the coaching space
0: and then real estate in both Maryland and Texas. Love it. Love it. Okay. So how many years have you been in the real estate space?
1: Uh I mean, call it about 2005. So coming up on, coming up on 20. So okay. about the last two decades of work.
0: Okay. So I, I got to pause here. So since we're friends, I got to pause and I got to bring to light something that I think will be helpful for people. Okay. and, and, maybe this will move around some of my questions, but there are two things that you've done in my life personally that have drastically changed. Actually, I can think of three moments. Okay. So I'm going to share three moments um, mm. that are so significant to me. Okay. One. And, and so I share this with you guys, one, because I want you to get to know Seth. And then two is I want you to see your role in two lights. Like one, if you have knowledge as a man, you must share it with other men, and if you need knowledge as a man, you must go ask it from another man. So that's why I bring this up. Like I'm I'm talking with one of my great friends Seth who has massive impact in my life, and my hope is that at some point I can have massive impact in his life. But dudes, you have to you have to put yourself in the situation where you have relationships with other men so that you can grow. So I'm going to share three things real quick and I could probably share more. But one, One is we're sitting at dinner eating and I'm talking about finances and you tell me, Ned, you have a scarcity mindset. And it wasn't mean, it wasn't anything. It was just, this is what it is. You opened up your phone and you shared some things about your own personal finances, just very much like, this is here's some thoughts. So that was significant for me. I went on about a year journey reading some books, thinking about what does this mean? Um, The second thing was, before we left a Front Row Dads event, you and I went to a bar, rooftop bar, shared drink. And at that, you said, hey, what are the three things you want to accomplish before we see each other again in six months? So we took five minutes and we wrote those three downs, th- three things down. And I wrote those three things last um, last April okay, for the spring retreat. And then when I came back to the September retreat... I had accomplished those three things, okay? And you had impact highly on one of those. The three things were that I would have a mission trip on the books with my family, did that. The second one was that I would throw my wife an incredibly epic 40th birthday party, which I did a blowout three-day over-the-top, my-friends-hate-me kind of party. And then the third was I realized I need to get my wife in a house. I have to get her into a house. Um, We were living in a 900 square foot condo with seven of us <laughs> at the time. And I had this stuck, sorry, I, I'm stealing this, but this I'm almost done. I was stuck in, you said, Ned, you know, what's the ideal house for you guys? And I'm like, well, it's this It would be, you know, five minutes from the beach and it would have a pool. And you're like, well, what's your budget? And I'm like, well, I can't really imagine spending more than X dollars on a house. Like, I mean, I can't imagine my payment being more than X and you're like okay well what and i'm sure you've had this conversation a bunch of times but you helped unlock something for me to unlock the payment right so you said instead of focusing on the payments of 2x or x1.5 whatever yeah focus on the difference okay so you're not talking about uh you know $10,000 month payment although that's not what it is but it's high right yeah. In, is you're talking about the difference between what you're comfortable with and what you're not. And so anyways, bro, I share all this to go. I have now lived. So I think I was off on my dates. This was spring of like yes, a yeah. year and a half ago. Yeah. But I've lived it for one year. We just celebrated on January 25th, one year in my house, five minute walk from the beach with a pool. My kids, friends are here all the time. And I've, and every month I go, babe, we made the payment. I can't even believe it. Praise God. This is awesome. But those are three things that you unlocked for me. I'm in totally grateful to you for one being vulnerable, vulnerable enough to share, and then also man enough to share, right? To to be like, hey, you know, what about this? What about that? Instead of, I think most of us just go, yeah, that'd be nice, or yeah, that sounds impossible. So, anyways, uh, I share that. Any thoughts? Because I wasn't even thinking about saying all that, but I, I felt like As you said, real estate agent, I'm like, I got to unlock like some real heavy impact here.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, so many thoughts. We'll we'll riff on a couple of them. Um, Thought number one is any industry that any person finds themselves on this call, the faster that we find a through line through that industry of whatever we're doing, like with our time, how we're spending our days and have it feel like it lines up with something that we would be like, that is meaningful. That mm. actually has purpose. Right. So and 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 full disclosure, Ned, like I'm I'm trying to figure out like what is Seth 2.0, or I'm, I'm calling it Seth 4.0, right? Like in my 40s. I've been trying to figure out like what is Seth 4.0 up to these days. And what I'm trying to find is that through line through every path that has has been on my journey so far. Like, where is the constant? Mm. And what this brings out. It's this whole idea of I love having conversations with people where I help them create like this empowering clarity in their life. Mm. Right yeah. now, that's empowering that's clarity, rich with that's irony.
2: So
1: that's rich with irony when I am struggling with empowering clarity. Right, right. Like I'm I'm just acknowledge the the uh, uh, the, the the dysfunction in that, but it's like figuring out like w- what you actually do that lines up with the view of purpose gives any job a, a different meaning and um the, the I guess the second thing I would say is that, well I'll, I'll give you two quotes first one is um okay the phrase has to do with preaching right so it has to do with church right you can take this to any setting they say um preach from your your scars not your wounds right mm-hmm. if, if you are ever in a situation in life where you are trying to um to share, Uh, if it feels too hard to share from something that you're going through right at that moment, look for the scars that are, that are slightly more healed. They're not quite as tender, but the point is still share from a spot of weakness. Mm If, if as as men, if as humans, we would just share. So I didn't share from you about scarcity. Like I wrote this book on wealth building or look at, like I I shared with you as somebody that was maybe a step or two further along the path yeah and frankly, as somebody who had struggled with a lot of the same stuff and still does, right? And the moment that we realize like it we're just we are on this path together. And at that yeah. particular night at that particular restaurant, it's just my buddy Ned and I having dinner, and we get to we get to talk about where we are, right? And um, I mean last last comment I'd give is, um we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with them in our weaknesses,
0: damn. And, yes, uh,
1: and, and I don't even know who to give credit for that one. That is definitely not an original. Uh, yes, I do. Craig Rochelle uh, mm. Craig we, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with them in our weaknesses. And isn't that it, right? Like, you know, we talked before this call about maybe we'll talk about this and, you know, we'll probably go into a couple topics. And we talked about some topics. We were like, those topics have some pain.
2: Mm-hmm. You're like, do
1: we want to go there? and And the answer is yes, because, I mean, at the end of the day, like. Every one of us goes through pain in life. And I think what reconciliation of that pain feels like is when we feel like it serves a greater purpose. Like a face would use the word redemption, right? Like something bad happens and it gets redeemed because it gets for a greater purpose, right? So like I am thrilled that any part of what I have gone through in life was uh, allowed us to sit at a dinner or at a Bar overlooking, I think, San Antonio. Yep. And we got to have an old-fashioned and talk about goals in life, and it had an impact on your family.
0: Massive. Right? Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate
0: it. Dude, so good, man. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you a couple of my, like, just questions I ask everybody. Sure. But just give me a couple sentences for each because I want to dig into the Seth 4.0. Um Because I think all of us, if we're listening to a podcast about fatherhood, we probably showed up here, not because we think Ned's awesome, but because we are trying to discover what it means to be a great father. So with that in mind, how would you describe the role of the father?
1: So here's my current definition. Um, If I was to to think of children as objects, I'm like, I want to be like a shipbuilder that builds ships that are made for the high seas. Mm -hmm. I want to build these ships that are made for the storm and are made to sail across the ocean in raging seas. And I want to be a port that they can come home to. And uh, and now full disclosure, I'm pretty sure I I riffed on this when I was on a hike and I heard you interviewing somebody else and and it gave me that thought. I'm like, okay, that's that's definitely my my view right now. I love it. Uh, here's here's what that means for me like they are not made to stay at home
0: yeah. right
1: these ships that we are building are not made to stay at home if we build them right mm-hmm. um, And yet creating a port in the storm is absolutely something that at this season now that we've got one that's 19 and gone i want to create a port in the storm for as many years as possible for yeah. our daughters
0: yeah dude that's rich bro that is so rich i love it um <laughs> As you've been a father, what have you learned about yourself? So you know, you think about being a dad for nineteen years. you've hit every stage. I mean, not the not the married with with grandkids yet that's to come. But what have you learned about yourself in the different seasons you've experienced with your kiddos?
1: Um, so, I'm probably not unpacking this in, in in this in the right chronological order, but I grew up um having what I felt like was a good relationship with my parents overall till early teens. My parents got divorced. I if if we had talked when I was 20 or so, I probably would have like been very uh positive about my mom, pretty negative about my dad. And so the the first thing that I realized is at some point in life. We're looking at both of your parents, we, we tend to like want to be like them or want to not be like them. I was, mm-hmm. I was in a group full of guys last week and I, I I shared this story. I just asked, show of hands, who in this room has grown up wanting to be like your dad? Certain number of hands went up. How many want to be, how many have been growing up wanting to be the opposite of your dad? And full disclosure, and I'm, a, and I'm a little ashamed to say this right now, I, I've, I spent most of my life wanting to be the opposite of my dad. Mm. Right. Um, So, so you ask, like, what's it like, what have I learned about being a dad? And the first thing I realized is that I was still figuring out how to be a son. Hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you get into your twenties, thirties, forties, you're a dad. And it's like, holy crap, how inequipped did I feel as a son? Now, maybe that's just me. I, in fact, I hope that's just me. Right. But that has definitely been my journey of like realizing all of the unclosed loops or the unprocessed wounds of growing up and realize that when when your whole goal is to be the opposite of something, um, that lacks a power to it that you really need. Um, hmm. my dad, my dad passed away. I maybe mean, we'll you know, go into this later, maybe not. No, I just I, do it now. Wait in the in the past years and in past couple of years. And one thing that I realized was. I just had to come to grips with like how much my goal had been to not be like him. And mm. in his last, uh, even in our last days together, like there is this, like, I am my father's son and trying to actually come to an appreciation for what he had gone through and that it was okay to acknowledge being like him. Mm. And, um, yeah. So I guess that first comment is is wanting to be like or not like your dad. Um, All the work that I've done over the past couple of years, I would say, has fallen in the category of. um, Well, here's here's a a book I I quote you. fact, I don't know if I've told you about this one. Um, You ready for an uh, infomercial here? So, sage a man's guide into his second passage. Yep. So here's so here's. Here's the theme of the book. If the first half of a man's life is about bringing the, the, the calling forth the man from the boy, the second half of a man's life is about finding the boy and bringing him home.
2: Hmm. And
1: that's what I've noticed over the past, let's say at least decade of being a dad is just how much work I have to do on like inner the six year old version of Seth. It's it's interesting at whatever age your kids are right now, if you're listening to this, I, I found that when my when my daughter was six, I'd be like, what was what was I like when I was six? And how can I live with more compassion for not just for her right now, mm-hmm. but how do I live with more compassion for the version of me? And by the way, then when I think about six-year-old version of me, I think, okay, how old was my dad? And we were about the same, uh, right? yeah,
0: yeah. Like
1: mm-hmm. my my oldest daughter is about the age I was um, to my dad, right? So it goes in lockstep. And so when I imagine her at different ages and regrets that I have about parenting, things that I think I screwed up, ways I focused too much work and highlights, right? I go back to those ages and I'm like, dude, my dad didn't have it anymore figured out. He, he, he was lacking the exact same instruction manual and he had way less resources. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a group of guys that I've got. He didn't have, um, family members. He didn't have a community to support him. Like no wonder. And when I was able to have compassion on him, I was able to have more compassion on myself and, and it all
0: helps. So a couple questions for you in this. So ask your 20 year old self, you say, I want to be opposite my dad. And then as you grow from 20, you know, 24 years ago, you have more compassion. What shifted maybe first when you became a dad, say the first 10 years of being a dad and you're like, damn, this is a lot of work. Okay. I have a little bit more compassion for my dad. And then the second phase is, my dad is, is going to pass away, has passed away, reflecting on that. Th- those are like two kind of significant moments Ooh. where now your conversation has shifted to a, a, maybe I, I have more compassion on him and then B, maybe there's certain things about me that I'm also accepting that are like him. So I don't know what thoughts you have yeah. on those two, those two yeah, points I, I in mean- time.
1: The, the as as far as the first comment um as far as the first comment i we started having kids and my first goal was to prove my dad wrong
0: and prove him right? wrong I mean, about that's, what? that's
1: how i kind of went into it like i'm gonna have kids and i'm gonna do it different and i'm probably not alone in that there's probably a lot of us out there that like you know our, our goals we got this chip on our shoulder and we're gonna parent differently and we're gonna be different husbands and we're gonna have different mm. work life balance and everything else so I definitely kind of went into it with that I'm gonna am gonna prove that it can be done differently and that energy will take you so far like that's fine energy like no no judgment there it it didn't take me through the marathon of life
2: yeah yeah
1: right it took me through several miles of it somewhere along the way when I started to see like like cracks in my own armor it just created more compassion and and probably probably where the compassion came in the most was thinking about um there's there's a quote from Tony Robbins that says, you know people are are doing the best they can with the resources they had
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um and I it got me thinking about the resources my dad had um th- so the the day he died and and you know we, we, again, maybe we'll go into parts of the story maybe we won't uh, he passed away very suddenly, like like we knew the day, uh, died of cancer, and it was and it was very sudden. And and we were with him when he died. And as he was making his his final um uh requests of the family, he was literally like taking things in his home and like handing them off to different of, of my five younger siblings. Like he made us wrap, he was a piano tuner, so we knew how to wrap a piano and put it on a dolly. He literally made a strap, a piano to a dolly uh, the morning he passed away to make sure it wouldn't get scratched when one of my brothers took it and gave one of my brothers a guitar. And my, my dad was pretty musical and he did not have many possessions. I mean, we are talking minimal possessions, put the clothes in a bag, give it to Goodwill. He's in a rented house, give them a car to his ex-wife, all that sort of stuff. And for some reason, when he, when one of my brothers got the guitar, I remember going for a walk and feeling, as a forty-four-year-old guy Mm -hmm. that could afford plenty of guitars and who doesn't even play guitar, right? I'm sitting here sad
2: Mm -hmm. because I'm
1: like, wait, you you gave them a guitar. What are you giving me? Like, I, I remember walking down the streets of this little town in Montana, thinking like, where's my inheritance? And it and it was not a question about money it definitely wasn't a question about, about, uh, tangible resources, but it was just like the, the, the feeling every son wants from every father out there, whether they get it or not is like this blessing or this, like bestowing that, that somehow well, like our, our radio frequencies are like tuned. Like we can hear from that person. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then I started thinking about his life. So his dad died when he was five. His mom died when he was twelve, and he lost a brother at fourteen.
2: Sheesh.
1: And um, and so here we have an an older man late into his sixties.
2: And
1: and I, I I look back and I'm like I am speechless imagining what a fourteen year old version of my dad what he would have been saying if he walked the streets. Yeah. Like here I am saying, man, my brother got a guitar and I got nothing. He's like, I don't even know my dad after age 5. And I I I don't know if there's anybody to to hear that or not, but man, if you've if you've got judgment on a father figure, it might be worth revisiting what little you know or or maybe you know a lot about their childhood. Because it created in me this rich compassion mm. for a man that that most of my life I did not have compassion for.
0: Man, I feel like that message, that word that you just shared, can be applied to so many aspects of our life. Like that father-son, we all resonate deeply with. You know, like oh my gosh, yes, it makes sense. And the the love and care and the the belonging, everything I want from my dad, and did I get it? Did I not? Um, there's a real sense, like, because we all are designed with that. But to take that idea of like choosing as a man, as a leader, to understand. I don't even know if the word understand is correct, but choose to acknowledge somebody's story, right? I think is 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 huge.
1: Um, it, it, um well, it's and and in acknowledging their story, that doesn't mean that you have to like make it uh, that you you don't have to defend it or try and say that made it okay like you're you're acknowledging their story and and it still lets you grieve for whatever you was missing you were missing like like I'm not editing on this interview right now I'm not editing that I was this 44-year-old guy walking down the street saying where's my guitar like fully get it like that's that's where I was I'm not trying to cheapen it or, or get rid of that feeling at all because that wasn't a 44 year old thinking that or feeling yeah. that.
2: Yeah. It, that was a part of a, who a you are feeling that. Yeah.
1: That's okay. It's, it's just having compassion for, for each, um,
0: almost each child in the story. So then just, just a little side note question for you because, okay, your dad didn't have resources, but now today we live in a day and age where there is literally free resources for any dad to not be a piece of crap or human being in, in a sense. So, and maybe that's just me saying, you know, using today's world to justify why I think someone sucks, but how do you, uh, how do you have compassion for somebody when there are resources available do you, do you start to understand that, you know, like you and I both have the same story yet I choose to see it this way and you choose to be a victim about it. I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, well, I, 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 I might come across slightly less judgy than you. If you and I were both at the bar, we overheard somebody. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, here's, here's, here's overall where I landed. Um, so a, a couple images that I have in my head. One is the image of this. There's this. This. Uh, I think he's like a yogi named Ram Das, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know that I agree with much of what he says. I might not agree with anything other than this quote. So all I know is a quote. So it's totally out of context. But the quote is, "We are all just walking each other home." And for some reason, that simple little bumper sticker has mm. stuck with me. It it haunts me. Because I could be sitting uh, in an airplane and a guy next to me that I think is, you know, kind of acting like a victim dad. Um, My first thought is always, dude, I'm just on this airplane for the next hour with this guy and we're just walking each other home. And I don't know where he's been and I don't know where he's going. But I do know that in this hour, I want to be I want to be as much light as possible. And maybe what he needs is a brother. Maybe he needs, um, um, a, a son figure to reconcile with, maybe he needs a, a, a dad figure. Um, but just there's, there's an opportunity for healing in, in damn near every encounter that we could be in. Um, wow. Wow. The, 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 the second thing is, and this probably relates, I mean, if we want to even shift a little bit on the, on the kid's side, um, there's a concept called the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And, and the hero's journey is this basic, uh, I forget the the author that first popularized this, uh, Joseph somebody, but it's Joseph just Campbell. like, yeah, yeah. Like in every story, there is a hero, there is a victim. Well, okay. The hero's journey is this, is this actual journey that a hero goes on, right? So there's concept one, a, a hero goes on a journey and every one of us, you and I, everybody who's listening to this and certainly all of our kids are going through a journey and, and it is up to us to see them as the hero of the story. Yeah. And then, and then the other thought is that there's four characters in any, in any plot line, there's a hero, there is a villain, there's a victim and there is a guide. And. Um, so you said like well, so we see this guy and he's you know at the bar next to us and he's t- being a total uh, jerk and he's he's totally acting like the victim, like I- I'm not so sure. I think he's the hero in that part of the part of the movie that has the really minor chords where we're seeing him at his at his lowest.
0: Mm. that's good, bro. Y- yeah, because if you choose to see the situation that way. That really allows you to open to to show up in your hero's journey and and ask yourself who do what's my role in this guy's life versus just avoidance. So I think that's powerful. Yeah, then
1: you get to show up as the guide. Yeah. yeah, Right? And and the guide is there to help empower the hero to be the version inside of himself that has always been there, but just has not come forth and, and I can't think of anything, you know, except for a shipbuilder analogy that like would be more true as a parent. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. The reality it is, is so good.
1: we are not the hero of the story. I mean, we are right. We are, but we aren't like yeah. at the end of the day, these kids, each one of them is on their hero's journey. Yes, And I just want to come along them in the different stages that they're at and, and be a guide. Right. Um, I'll share one story with you. I actually don't know. Have I shared the story with you about our daughter at a, at a Barnes and Noble? I don't think so. Okay. So this is probably going back 17. Let's say this is going back about three or four years. And, um, and our daughter was maybe 13 at the time. And she was sitting at a Barnes and Noble. Um, uh, uh, very, how do I say this? This is the daughter that I'm very concerned about, right? Not because of her, but because of everybody else out of the world, right? So I'm vigilant about this, about this daughter at, at, at this stage of life. And, um, she's sitting at a Barnes and Noble, none, we are not there. So mom and dad are not there. We end up getting a call from her and, um, something happened with, um, basically some creepy dude at the table next to her. Mm. And, um, it ended up getting to the point where like a manager came over and like pulled her away. And it was, it was one or two clicks away in the conversation from like, um, here's some candy. Come get in my van. Yeah. Like, like said something like, Hey, didn't, don't you go to that school and reference a teacher's name that he shouldn't have known. And she like, it was weird. Wow. Okay. So she comes home and she's totally rattled. This was like a, a break out of innocence into like, mm. like dateline. Yeah. Like this was one of those stories and um trying to think about how to handle it. And, and here's what I ended up doing. Um, the next day I went on, uh, went on an outing with her, maybe a couple of days later, maybe let it cool down. And I took her back to that Barnes and Noble mm. and I, and I went and we sat back at the same seat. That she was sitting in, right? By the way, this came to me. I don't know if you've uh, if you've gone skydiving, but there's kind of this this rule of thumb in skydiving that if somebody goes on a skydive and they have a bad um, they have a bad experience, right? I don't mean they died. I just mean they had a bad experience. Yeah. So great. First thing they'll do, take them back up for a second jump, because they don't want it to end with a bad experience. Yeah. Right. So I take her back to the same seat at the same Barnes and Noble. And I have her sit there, and I just help her get present because what I didn't want is for her to remember that experience as a victim. Mm. Okay, so was yes. she victim? Hell yes, she was a victim. Of course she was. I mean, some some guy just came in. It was it was probably uh, predator light at at best, right? Um, and by the way, police reports and everything else. Um, so I sit down with her. And I start walking her through as a guide, this concept of like creating resourcefulness. Hmm. So I walk through this series of questions with her, like, all right, so you're sitting here. If you could do it over again, is this the seat that you would have chosen at the time? You remember you remember walking in here yesterday? you remember where the open tables were? You remember where like exit paths were? You remember which seats you'd have your back to a wall versus have your back kind of exposed to Whatever, right? Looking back, is this the seat you would have sat in? Right? I mean, basic questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, close your eyes. Think back to yesterday. Think back to the people that were around you. Were you alone? No. What do you mean? There was a lady over here that had been making eye contact contact with me for the the prior thirty minutes, even before this guy showed up. There was this person over here that I had asked if I could charge my computer there. So I already had connections over here, right? I was actually helping her remember everything about the prior experience and pull out like the resourcefulness from it. So good. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Dude, that's powerful, man. And and then
1: we went into negatives too, right? It's like, was there anything you wish you had done different? And I think with the seating, she's like, yeah, I sat here and if I could have done it over, I would have sat at that table over there that was open because it would have given me like, Subversion of privacy or anything else. Yeah. Um, the, it was interesting, right, to let her walk through as the hero of her own story. Yes, invite if her into a different could, role. Yep, to see and it maybe differently. Where she would have been different, but but in all situations, I resisted taking her to the victim of the story. Yeah, because the victim of the story is always a throwaway character. And mm. I don't know about you, dude, but I struggle with that even now with our kids. If something bad will happen. And my version, um, my version can be like, oh, don't worry that happened. You know, that was problems with this organization. You got caught in the crossfire. That wasn't you. It's this like, and we, with so meaning we mean so well because we don't ever want our kids to think they're the villain. Yeah. That when, that we, we turn them into the victim
0: and I'm like, resist that. Uh. That's the nugget right there is when you do that, when you blame the school, the teacher, the coach, the get on your kid's bandwagon about whatever that is, you and you make someone else the villain, you are turning them into the victim versus how do I pull you into the hero of this story so that you can learn, grow and be the ship that I can send out to high seas for long term because you're not my little baby for eternity. Yeah. Dude, powerful, yeah. bro. That's so powerful. Let me ask this. How, when you said, hey, I want to take you back there, was her initial like, no, no. And you kind of had to fit, you know, you you, you kind of had to press it and go like, no, I, I believe this is the best way to handle this.
1: Um. I, so so frankly, it's a little fuzzy. So I'm probably making yeah. this up now. But my, my memory is that I had enough chips in the relational bank. Mm. Uh, when I said- Something like, hey, we we trust me. Are you okay? I mean, it wasn't like she said, hey, dad, can we go through this
2: exercise?
1: Yeah, of course. Visualization? Yeah. Can we go back to the scene of the crime? Right. It wasn't her idea. Uh, All I can guess is that I had enough chips in the bank.
2: Um, That's good.
1: And that it, it was done from a place of compassion. And really, like, you know, how you just when you create this like energy space around your kids. I, I mean, I don't like, I, I think of a little kid when they're walking, right. They're just toddling around and we we're like physically creating the space. Like the dad is there and it's like, anything could happen to this kid. He's not going to get hurt. I I got it. like, I totally, I, I totally got my child. And as they get older, it's not about this physical movement, but it's this, it's this energetic yeah. rounding of our family. And sometimes his dad, every one of us has nailed it. And every one of us has let has let the force field
0: down. Yes, but it's that awareness, right? Understanding your role, choosing to be aware and be intentional about it. Um, dude, okay, so powerful. So this podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes. You're already doing it, opening up your field notes, sharing your life, personal, family, etc. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. You know, and rebel and create can be applied to so many things, but essentially it's like as a man, I need something to fight against, to fight for. So if I'm gonna go fight and rebel and tear something down, I don't want to do it just to be destructive, but because I want to create something beautiful in its place. So when you hear this, what's something that you're rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Um
1: I think I'm rebelling against this false self or this facade that we have. Um, and this, this shell of a version of, we go around acting like we're one way to people and we do it with our spouses. Mm. We do it with our kids. Uh, if, if you and I weren't intentional, we do it with each other. And of course we have, it's, it is just yeah. human nature. And, and somewhere underneath that facade is this authenticity that is good for us and good for others. Um, there's that um, that uh, I think is it is it uh, J- something Williamson? Oh shoot, no, I have it. Hang on, uh, Marianne Williamson. You're probably familiar with this quote, right? Our our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. And at the end of it, it says, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And um, I think I probably look back and would tell you that I didn't feel much of an authentic relationship with my dad. If, if I just take it back to daddy issues, right? Like that's what I felt was missing. And so what am I rebelling against? It's 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 that sense of it. And yet at the same time, I um I'm so aware that I am I am more like him than I realize. And that rebelling against that facade or that inauthentic ego that we all have, that is a that is a a, a
0: daily choice to make. Dude, that's, uh, it's seems so simple, but it's hard to do and is a ton of work. And that kind of leads me into a question I wanted to ask you because I've always been into reading books. Okay. So, like, I'll read a book and that's great. But there's this whole different level of this world out there of personal development that I just got introduced to in January 2020 since then, you know, in a couple of groups, it's been super powerful front row dads rise up King, superhuman fathers really connecting well. And I hear, you know, people say uh, you, you go for the content, but you stay for the community. And when I'm in your presence, and this is what I was kind of bringing up at the beginning is there's this whole nother level of like, damn, you've put some work into personal development and it goes along with what I believe you're rebelling against and what you hope to create for someone who's listening who's like yeah i read a book a month or a couple books a year and i listen to a podcast and and that's all great and i hope you're applying that stuff to your life but talk to me about this this other world this other level that you have gone on when did you start this why why should or shouldn't somebody do it like what are your thoughts on this and i know a lot of your circle runs with that, but there's this lot of people don't even know that it exists or might think, Oh, like Tony Robbins, that's like goofy. Um, So yeah. Talk to me about this. Cause I think that you're, you're such a a humble dude and your knowledge, even the way you speak, we can all tell, like you've done a lot of work on yourself. It shows. So I'll shut up. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, Okay. So the, 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 the topic On personal growth, um, gosh, how do I how do I summarize this? Um, so one, I look back at seren, I think the word is serendipitous moments, right? Like like synchronicities in the universe, or God moments, or um, it's like, dude, I just randomly showed up to this thing, and I heard this guy, and he said this thing, and he said blah 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 for three days, but he said this one thing, and I heard it, and it and it. And it transforms. First off, that's that's probably how it works a lot of the time, mm. right? You're gonna read yeah. a stupid long book to find one sentence that is amazing, and and you if you do that one time, you're gonna be like, well, this is stupid. I read the whole book, I only got one sentence. Yeah, it's the compound effect of doing that time and time again. Um, the second thing is, I, you know, it is an ability to have guides and mentors along the path and to to take on an inheritance. So every person that wrote one of these books, every person who did one of these podcasts, every person who gave a speech, at the end of the day they did it because they wanted to leave a legacy beyond themselves. Yeah. There's a couple of assholes, right? But for the most part, like d- get get deep in with somebody and they did it because they went through some pain. They learned some lesson and they wanted to as imperfectly as they could, and maybe with more brashness or ego or whatever, but they wanted to get it out into the world. Yeah. That's an inheritance that they wanted to give to the world for anybody who would choose to be associated with it, whether they were related by blood or not. So, so when I grew up and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I didn't, I didn't look to my dad for examples of how I wanted to live. Now, maybe looking back, you know, he's passed now. So maybe I'll have. Days at the at the tombstone where I'll say I could have learned more lessons from him. Possible, totally possible. Um, but I sought it out in, in every different place that I could. And I think all I would say is um be a seeker for that, mm-hmm. right? And and as you are a seeker for it, you will find that you are not alone. And you will find um a community, a tribe that you did not even know existed. Because you'll just find that, like I quoted earlier, we are all just walking each other home and yeah. you're going to find people along the journey with you. And I mean, it's funny, you mentioned Rise Up Kings. Is that Skylar? Yeah. Right. So Skylar and I met at a Tony Robbins event. Um, I just we, we, were, we were randomly paired with each other as partners. This is 2017, right? Like we're just two guys in line, hit it up in a conversation, at this event. And here he is now running this awesome organization, right? Uh, I think he's living in Texas now. I need to catch up. So wild, right? Like, but that's it, right? You're just waiting in line to get your, your registration and you run into somebody cool. And my, my hope for men out there is, um, you find time to do this stuff.
0: Yes. Yes. I
1: I listen to podcasts. If I'm, I I mean, I'm either listening to, to, um, Uplifting music or a podcast. If I'm in the car or on a hike, um, I'm I'm reading books because for me I'm really kinesthetic. Um, I, I talk with my hands and I, I like I need to highlight. Like I don't read a book if I don't have a highlighter because that's yeah. just my style. But if I was going to listen to stuff, uh, I listen to podcasts at two or three times speed because I just need to like get my pull out the nuggets. Right. Hope that helps.
0: It does. So then uh, another question. So the thing that I think is most uh, well, the thing I picked up that I'd like dudes just to recall is, it's like just go to the thing and then something's going to happen at the thing. That's going to then send you on a path to another thing. And then another thing, right? It's, it's this path, but ultimately you're finding the tribe of people who, who are like you and you may not not like you, but who are seekers. And you may not find that at your coworkers at the office. You may not find that in your neighbor, And you may have to go out and find that in a tribe. And we live in a world where you can do that. The other thing is, I think that there's a ton of value from finding some things that are in person and not just online, because it's different when you share a hotel room with somebody or share a meal with somebody or go play basketball with somebody. That's some of my best times. It's like, usually I'll share a room with one of you dudes. uh, And then these conversations happen and, and, and there's deeper connection there. And I think at the end of the day, We're looking not so much for content because a lot of the things are already inside of us. We just need a mentor guide to pull it out of us, but we're looking for connection and to not feel alone, which is what you said in kind of your path on this is like, you realize that you're not alone in what you're seeking. The one thing I do want to ask you though, because you've been to quite a few things, you've connected with a lot of people. What's the the guy who overdoes it, right? What's the, the addiction to personal development, but there's no fruit from from the one liners like hey i read 52 books of this year but wait a second i'm still a total dickhead so what do you find what's the overindulgence in this world and not applying uh, it
1: yeah who does i mean, people probably look at, at me that way maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's me that um <laughs> here's the first thing that comes to mind um if you if you are consuming and you have time to teach to, to pass it on to Mm -hmm. others, then, then you're probably okay. And if you find that you are consuming everything and there's never an opportunity to to pass it along to others, that's good, dude. Then pause and rebalance.
2: Yep. Yep. Powerful. I mean, and,
1: and, and for us, it probably turns very quickly into our kids.
0: Okay. So that's my next question. So bring that in. You have impressed me immensely to invite your kids into this world. I mean, you've sent them on some retreats and things like that. So talk to me about how a dude does it for themselves and then invites their kids on that journey.
1: So yeah, well, so we have, we have a couple of rules with that. One is uh for Alice and I our faith our faith is really important to us, right? Like we're we're Christian. We have we have a strong faith background. The reason that I bring that up is because we're going into topics right now that um could be uh extracurricular in that area. Right. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know what Tony Robbins spiritual beliefs are necessarily. Right. Do I think that walking on fire was a cool experience? And did I like taking my kids there? Yes. And, and everybody, everybody, on here, you know, there's your disclaimer, do, do your own thing. But all I have to say, uh, my wife and I, our, our general rule is we would go at anything first, right. Whether it was a personal mm-hmm. growth person talking about financial or anything like to the degree that we're able to we would go first before we before we um like randomly like sent our kids to yep, stuff right? good, but then as quickly as we could, we would find things that were age appropriate. And for us, age appropriate always meant it's cool if they're the youngest person in the room or or almost near it, right? Yeah. So um, and and not that this makes them the youngest person in the room, but like when after we went to Tony Rob and stuff, um, my oldest was about age thirteen, you no, know, maybe fourteen or fifteen at that time. And, um, and so I took her next, right. So Alice and I went, we walked on fire and then I went back six months later, or a year later, something with our 15 year old and Chris and I went and did it. And then that started this like family tradition. I've now taken three out of the four, Wow! right. At, 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 at about age 13 to 14, taking them to go walk on fire. And every one of those experiences is unique, that's kind of been the closest thing I've had as a dad to this, like. Rite of passage. Mm, beautiful. Uh, again, I have four daughters, and Ned, there's you know so many other stories there. Sometimes I feel totally ill-equipped to be a, a girl dad. Um, I, I rarely feel like I'm hitting it with everybody all at once. Uh, but this is these have been memorable experiences. And then anytime that we could do stuff, I mean, you talk about like remember what I said about like being able to pay it pay it forward. Anytime we can get an environment where our family as a family unit gets to go impact the world together. Mm -hmm. That's where it really sticks out. Right. So we've done events where as a family, we might be talking about goal setting or talking about like, we do a party at our house um, every on January 1st, where we will paint our, our word for the year. Right. So here's, here, here's mine from uh, from this past month. Right. So here's my word for the year. I always have like a landscape.
0: What and, is that word? What does it say discipline. Uh,
1: oh, oh yeah. Check it out. Uh, discipline.
0: Discipline. Dig it. Uh, word
1: for the year is discipline on this. Like, how do you like my Everest? How do yeah. It I looks do? dope. Um, so, so here's, what's cool. Right. Okay. So I did, I did that. And our kids, we did it New Year's Eve. Cause we're boring like that But then <laughs> on New Year's day. They were servants encouraging their friends to do the same thing. Mm. And that was neat as a family too. That's cool. Like, hey, we're about something in this world. Uh, as the dailies, creating an experience for others to live their best life as a family as well, super rewarding for us. And that's how I know it's coming full circle. And it's not this inauthentic. It's just for me. It's when I know that we're like we're taking something in, and then we're we're passing it out to others.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude. And I mean, so good. With that being said, you know y- your your wife is really working to pass it on to others right now with the success you guys have had with with raising your daughters. Um, talk about the work she's doing and the book she just put out.
1: Yeah. So um, so Al so Alice wrote, uh, so check it out. I mean, here uh, if you're if you're watching this, I know many are listening to it, right? The magic mom, five principles to unlock your natural gifts to raise entrepreneurial daughters. And um, so this has been a journey she's been on for the past few years. And I said, I said earlier how we connect with people, um, We connect with people in our weaknesses Mm. um, and, and this idea that um, stories get redeemed when we're able to like bring things full circle. You've written, you've written books. um, I I know she experiences writing. um, We talk about like you write the book that you wish you had growing up.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Right. And um, she wrote the book that in some ways she either wished she had or she had to go find in different places. Right. Right, I mean that's that's the why every one of us has a book in us somewhere. Right, is because there's always the cry of our heart of like the resources that we wish we had. I mean, so I good. watch you get lit up talking about your fatherhood books, yeah. right? Because totally. I, I know I know you're passionate about it as a resource that either you didn't have or you worked so hard to get that you want to make easier for other guys so yep. they have an experience. That maybe was hard for you, and and making it easier for them.
0: Dude, it's and so good. I've never thought about it that way, but that's so good.
1: Yeah. So th- this is this has been her journey, and I'm super excited for it. Now, full disclosure, right? If if, if we're a full disclosure kind of podcast here, um, bro. At first, when she started writing this, I was like, "Wait, like, like, uh, like the Magic Parents?" She's like, uh, "No, like the Magic Mom, like a mom's guide." And and there's times that I was um, uh, ashamed to say like how I responded to that. Here's what I know. It brought out every insecurity I had in my own personal journey. Mm. That's not on her. You're just, you're just hearing sass realization of my own journey of like, was, was I always the dad I wanted to be? Right. And um, the, 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 the longer I live, the more, uh, well, the longer I live, the younger I feel, the more I feel the need to connect with the young version of myself and, and bring healing to that boy. And this grace of dude, we are on this journey, wherever you find yourself right now, your days are not done.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Wherever you are right now, listen to this. I don't care at what age your days are not done. Um, make, make the days and the years count.
0: And with that being said, because you're vulnerable to open up, like you said, the scars, not the wounds, you know, you, you just, you've opened up a few scars and we resonate with that. You're like, and this brought up every insecurity I've got. And I'm like, dude, I feel like that sometimes. Right. And I think sometimes we're in this pursuit of just the season that feels really good. But the reality is, is The idea or thought, because you talked about this with marriage, that you're just always living indefinitely in this season that feels really good is Mm. really just mediocre and no growth there, right? I mean, the, the moments of insecurity, and I'm realizing this more and more right now is the shit that's bothering me right now is stuff that I would say God is allowing to be in my life as an opportunity for me to learn and grow. Like those moments where you're up against, I feel insecure about this. This is an opportunity for me to go, okay, I could just be a bitter a-hole for the rest of my life, which some of us choose to do, or I could lean into this and I could go, okay, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Why do I feel this way? Let me uncover this. Let me work on this so that then when I come out of it, I could mention it on a podcast. Some dude's feeling insecure about whatever it gives him the strength and power to then overcome what he's doing. And I think that's life, dude, is like this constant embracing of the messiness and the struggle
1: and we we talk about this hero's journey and we Mm. say that like every hollywood movie is based on these four characters and on this like journey of a hero right just go go look at the book by um donald miller hero on a mission it'll give you a really good walk you through it right every hollywood movie though is based on a very simple script right it would be super boring if we didn't hit the moments you're talking about. Yeah. No, none of us want to watch the movie of the hero that just had a super easy life. And why should we think our own path is going to be any different? What's what's harder though is knowing what to do when we are battling the internal villain. Yeah. Right. Called called ourselves. Yeah. And when we're battling whatever some sort of external villain mm, that there is.
2: Yeah. Right
1: not having the resources we thought we'd have, or just not being the best version of ourselves.
0: And dude, and I wouldn't call this like a faith-based professed podcast necessarily. But when you say that statement, it's really hard when you're battling the villain inside of you, which I feel like I'm doing most of the time. And then there's some sort of external struggle as well, be it financial, marital, you know, immediate family, you know, whatever to do that alone without an anchor of feeling like I have a God who cares for me, a father who's got my back, who's looking out for me, man. I don't know. I don't know how I personally would do that daily, weekly, monthly wrestle if the weight was just all on me.
1: Yeah, I, am. Um... There was a void in the moment that my dad passed where I wanted to belong to someone. Mm. And um we, you know, all abundance of the personal growth journey, it will be about discovering who you are. Yep. Who am I? Um, there might be a question beyond. Who am I? And maybe some of the people listening to this choose to go on that journey, align with that journey. Maybe they don't. And that's totally cool, right? Stay on the journey of who am I as long as you want to. You might get to a place in the journey where you change the question to whose am hmm. I? Like, f- from whom do I come? Like, um, and and when you hit that part of a question i th- i think we all want to feel like we belong to somebody or we belong to something that is beyond us
2: yeah. yeah and
1: and it takes a lot of us down a really deep journey that that it's it's hard for that journey not to take you to some type of faith
0: yeah because the reality is is if I choose just myself I let myself down if I choose my wife I'm putting way too much expectation on her to meet that need my kids damn I don't want to put that oh. on them a friend the thing that's so wild is we are born with needs like we have needs so why do we have needs that nothing in this world can fully fulfill right so that's where I like that question and I think Write that down, Russell with that. Seth, my friend, we could talk forever because it's just so rich, so good. And I am just feeling on cloud nine. I want to ask you my last question. And it's a legacy question. I want you to imagine 30 years from now, your youngest is now 40 years old. You're standing out on the street, peering into the homes of your four daughters looking in to see what's going on in their house, their family, their relationships, maybe their kiddos, their marriages. What is it that you see and you go, man, day in, day out, the man I was, the marriage that I fought for, the way Alice and I loved our kids, we're seeing something play out in their homes. What is it that you see? Um,
1: okay. So I see... I see daughters that are well i see I see families right <clears throat> um I, I see kind of a multiplication beyond just our daughters, but I see daughters that are uh, to use kind of a um clinical word here securely attached that they that they have grown up in an environment um where love was present and they felt it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um and that that has created this like foundation for them to deal with whatever gets thrown at them, whether it's, whether it is something internal, something with their kids, a, a spouse, a work environment, that, that they come at it from this, like um, this, this, I don't know, this oak tree that has like really, really deep roots and that, and that our part in it is helping to create the roots. Um, and, and their part in it, is to realize that at some point in time uh it is also no longer about them but about yeah. an impact that they can have for others yeah and yeah. that this like this vast i mean i i'm i'm envisioning this oak tree right like we all picked that 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 uh that image of like the, the 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 tree of life right this huge tree with this huge maybe that's just something at the animal kingdom at, at disney um but it's like this huge overhang that just bears so much fruit into this world around them. And, um, and that's, I think the legacy that we, that we all want. Yeah. Right. It's, it's that it, it, it lives beyond us from, you know, to multiple generations.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -mm. So, okay. So I mean, dude, beautiful. Uh, you're doing that the life you're living is doing that. So I want to take this a step further, okay? So, and then I'll leave you alone. But um, based on this conversation, okay? Based on this conversation, the story you shared, I want you to imagine it is your last day, right? Your last day, your four daughters are there in the room. Exact same experience that you had in the last two years. As soon as you take your last breath, each of your four daughters goes on a walk. Think about the way that you felt what you were thinking about a guitar. What is it that you want your daughters thinking when they go on that brief walk alone, one-on-one? And the reason I ask it is because I want the men listening to put themselves in that same scenario. This will happen, my friends. Like, this will happen. And the way that you show up today is going to impact the thoughts that that girl has that woman has, that wife has, that mom has when she's on that walk. So bring us home, Seth. What is it that you're fighting for those thoughts to be?
1: Yeah. uh, Heavy, brother. Heavy. Um, I... I want them to go on a walk, knowing that they are not alone. Um, being clear on um, the 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 lineage from which they come, mm. uh, the 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 legacy, the, the human legacy, right? Who were mom and dad? Um, and 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 I'm going to say even more of a spiritual legacy. Like I, I want them to be in tune with with whose they are. Yes. Um, and, and then I want them to know that um, I want them to be at peace, that they have what it takes um, no matter what comes at them. And that they are um, they are of more, they have more depth of character than they know. And they have more resourcefulness than they know. And that they, that they are They have a knowing that deep inside they have what it takes to prosper in this world
0: Mm. Mm, dude the power of a father the power of a father is i believe really the only place that that can come from i mean a mother plays a huge role in that but that you have what it takes beautiful seth i knew this would be rich I knew I would love the conversation. Thank you for showing up, talking fatherhood life with us. It's always a pleasure. Keep being the man, husband, father, the man that digs in to become a deeper loving servant to the world around him. Until next time, my friend. Love your brother. What an incredible conversation. I love this guy. One of the things that he said that really stuck out is when I asked about personal development is when is too much, too much. And he said, if you have space and time to teach others what you're learning, then you're on the right track. And I just thought, how powerful is that? As you and I are listening to a podcast and reading books and trying to invest in ourselves, if we're just doing it for our own kind of like personal growth, I almost said selfishness, The way that it really gets locked in is if we're taking the time, energy, effort, uh, and openness to share what we're learning with those around us. Uh, My friends, you are making massive change to your legacy and family tree by investing in yourself as a father. As you know, many men stumble into their role as a father. You may have felt that way, and that may be how you found yourself listening to these conversations. But as you know our society is in desperate need of fathers who know who they are and engaged leading their homes that's why i created adventure of fatherhood and wrote the children's book please 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 if you know a young father a new father Go to Amazon and order him that gift uh, or that that book, Adventure of Fatherhood, um, and share it with him. Or you can go to adventureoffatherhood.com and order him a dad box um, and have it sent to him with a note saying, welcome to fatherhood. So that's adventureoffatherhood.com. All right. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.